Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Crazy old man in his own attic. Sans hat today, episode 75. Wilbon, let us begin with Roger Goodell. On Friday evening, he went before the cameras. He did everything the players asked him to do in a powerful video that they had released earlier in the day. He said the NFL condemned racism. He said the NFL was wrong to oppose protests like kneeling. And he said Black Lives Matter. Wilbon, do you think that the NFL owners will act in concert with Goodell's message? Tony, that is the big question as we spin this forward. I mean, people have talked all weekend about Roger Goodell. You and I have talked several times off camera, you know, on your podcast about this. And, you know, Roger Goodell was late to the party, but hopefully not too late. And, I, I you know, I know there, there are people still out there with a lot of criticism he, uh, of him. He still hadn't said the name Colin Kaepernick. And that's a legitimate, I mean, Howard Bryant, uh, and to me, a brilliant piece on ESPN.com explored that whole episode specifically. But I'm going to give Goodell credit in the main for saying I was wrong here. I mean, I mean if, if people do that, we're going to be a lot further along in this conversation. It's going to be a, a lot more productive on all sides. He's saying I was I was wrong. I'm listening. I might have failed you before, but I'm not going to do that now. But do I expect the owners to be in lockstep with him, Tony, which is where we're going? I don't. And I know you're probably going to say, all right, you're still cynical. You've been tough on the NFL owners for the last, I don't know, my whole career, because I have been. This is the premier form of sport and entertainment in this country. And yet the owners have so much power, Tony, they don't listen. They turn a deaf ear to everything, whether it's a new proposal for instant replay that might help the league or certainly what you might do to enhance the Rooney rule or just enforce it. So one owner I'm thinking of specifically, Tony, Jerry Jones, he ran out there. He's run his mouth. He's taking a tough stance. And he has said, if you don't, if you kneel, you're out of here. I mean, excuse me, he's taking a Trumpian sort of stance on this. Where is he going to be now? We haven't heard from owners. What, what are they waiting on? All right, so I'm going to speak to these issues. I thought that Roger Goodell, as I told you on Friday afternoon, would have to do this. I you think did. he believes in everything. I think he believes in everything that he said. I think he probably consulted a few friends, maybe not owners, and he went pretty much out there on his own. Now, we could examine why he did it. And some might say that he won't be the commissioner forever and ever, and he wants a real legacy other than making money. Some might suggest that this was his father in him, the politician who was a United States senator, and that he could count the House, he could count the votes. You know, and, and I think there's a little bit of truth to all of that. I also think there's truth that he believes in this. And as I told you on Friday, I believe he's thinking about kneeling himself. But the question is about owners. And Mike, I don't think they have another option right now. I think they are businessmen and they have looked around at the country and they have seen businesses small and large change and want to have dialogue with their employees and admit they have been wrong. I will address Jerry Jones specifically with a phrase that I know you will understand. I don't think Jerry Jones wants to stand in the schoolhouse door on this one. I don't think he wants to be known for this for the rest of his life. I think the owners will get in line. The polling indicates that the American public is receptive to these protests. They're not appalled by these protests. They think it's the right thing. They see young people out there, white and black and brown, 
standing together. And those people are the future of businesses in America. And so I, I think I think we have reached and I know I'm further along than you. I think we've reached a watershed moment here. And I, I'm not sure you think we have. I think we have. Tony, there's some moments in the week I think we have. And, you know, again, you and I talk about this stuff by phone. Often at night we're watching the news. Yep. And there are moments, yep. and you know, there are moments I think like you. Most of the moments I don't. Because, Tony, this is a group. I'm talking about the owners specifically now. They have not earned my benefit of the doubt. They have not earned the benefit of the doubt of African Americans. They have just not earned it. They didn't need to. They've got the number one domestic product and they can say like it or lump it. And that's what the NFL owners do all the time. But Roger Goodell, as you point out, has been with them. And now he seems to have set himself aside and said, wait a minute, I'm over here. And so we don't know what the result of that is going to be. If there's going to be, you know, sort of a backlash against Goodell himself, but. We're at a fascinating place now, not just not just in sport, but in the country. But sport, as always, reflects it, Tony, in a way that sometimes, I don't know, seems greater than other individual industries in the country. Yeah, I think there's I think there's something moving here down the stream that we haven't seen before. And I think that if nothing else, the owners in all sports and certainly in football will 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 try to have a reexamination of what they have done and yep. what works best for them in the future. I'm suggesting there's an economic imperative here that may actually yes. work best yes. for them in the future. They and then you don't to... have to be confrontational about yep. the national anthem. There are ways around right. that. Let's move on. Let's move to another sport. Let's move to baseball. Right? You're, it's your lead. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be doing That's it. That's right. Knock yourself we out. We can move to baseball. The owners have made a new proposal to the players. This one calls for a 76-game season, somewhere between, you know, 50 and 114, with the players making 75% of their prorated salaries for those 75, 76 games. The players want to be paid a full prorated salary for however many games they play and have reportedly reacted negatively to this proposal, even though there are some slight concessions from the owners regarding free agency for this offseason. Tony? Are we moving closer to a deal for baseball? Yeah, we we do this story every single day. I feel like <laughs> a mouse going around and around on one of those wheels. I, I, my answer is I don't know. I think that every time there are finite proposals and those numbers shrink the middle a little bit, I think that's probably a good sign. But you know how this works, Mike. It works when one side finally gets up from the table and goes, I give. Okay, let's go. Uh, it's always seemed to me that if you have three Asian baseball leagues in play now, that the United States baseball has to start because it's good for the country. But every time I say that, somebody says, oh, but the players think this and the owners think, no, it's not going to happen. So I don't know. What do you think? I thought naively, apparently, that the players' reaction to this was going to be sort of mixed. I thought you'd hear some voices saying, okay, and some voices saying no. The Scott Boris chorus that's always playing in the background of baseball negotiations. But, Tony, that's not been the case. I mean, every reaction I've I've been going through trying to read individual reactions from players, whether they're rank and file or stars, and it just seems like they're not ready for this. Now, that could still be the posture of negotiation, which is understandable and fine. Tony, the, when I said that, ba- that football owners had not earned the benefit of the doubt with me, baseball, when it comes to labor negotiations, there's no benefit of the doubt with them. We've seen how many times they have stopped 
their seasons either interrupted them, started them late, or in one infamous case in 1994, just ended it. You know, no regular season conclusion, no playoffs, no champion. They have blown up their season before. And therefore, even though these are wholly new people a generation later, 25, 26 years later, Tony, I'm not optimistic. I I guess I sound like I sound like the gloom and doom chorus today. I'm not that optimistic about baseball returning here. Yeah, you said you're not a labor negotiator. Rob Manfred is. That's he's got a degree in that. I mean, he's he's a labor lawyer. So maybe that's hopeful. Now there is talk of a 48-game season being imposed by baseball. Every baseball offer ends up being the same total package of money for the players. And if they hated it the first time, they're going to hate it every, every other time. So I don't, I don't know where we are, but I'm sure something will be leaked tomorrow, and we will do that story That's tomorrow. All. So we now we story can move on the to basketball. Yeah, this is my lead. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reports that many of the eight teams – that have not been invited to the NBA restart are upset with not having any games to play. They're worried that with next season starting in December, they will be at a competitive disadvantage because they will be on the shelf for nine months. Will Bonner, are you feeling their pain? A little bit. A little bit, because one of those teams is my team. One of those teams you're talking about is Chicago Bulls, and I want to see them climb back into contention before I'm 80. So, and they've got a new regime. You know, they've had a regime change. Even, you know, while there's been basketball inactivity, they've had this. And so the teams that are doing that, Tony, they're either trying to change on the fly. Let's, let's accept and set aside the Golden State Warriors because they, we, they know what they're doing and they're well on the way to knowing what they're doing and actually doing it. But if you take the other eight, I understand why they would feel this way. Tony, things are very important in the offseason. And one of those things has become Summer League to identify in a couple of young players there. You can see them in the summer and often they make some difference, even if it's small, for that growing lottery team the next season. But if they don't have the summer league, if they don't have these measures in place, how are those teams supposed to get better? I'm feeling a little bit of their pain, even though I understand why. Yeah, I think it's an absurd position to take. I think that the reason those teams weren't invited is two reasons. One is there's a global pandemic, and two is that they stink. One of the teams in this playoff is 24 and 40. I presume that means the other teams aren't even 24 and 40. And if you're not 24 and 40, I don't want to hear from you. Normally, in a 16-team playoff, you'd be out in April, and you'd be out six months. So now it's a little bit longer. I get that it's a little bit longer. If you want to play controlled practices with other teams, if you want to do whatever you want to do, if you want to set up a tournament, a loser tournament, you go ahead and do that. I just don't want to know if Ice Cube is going to be involved in it on some level. But, I mean, in eight games, a whole bunch of other teams are going to be out for eight months. I mean, it just, like, stop. It's a, it's yeah. a strange circumstance this yeah, year. It is. It's, it's a one-time circumstance, year. we hope. And it can't be yes. whiny. It just can't be, Tone. I, I, I agree with you on that. It sounds whiny. It does. does. But oh. you can't just scrimmage because you got to have protocol and you got to figure out how to distance and you got to figure out the rules of who can oh, be on okay. the court and who can be. Play a loser tournament. Cost All your team's money. not invited. Get together, play a tournament. Oh, huh? God. What, what about you? You Knicks fans are so used to being losers that you, you know. The Knicks stink. They stink. Here's a sentence we usually use a lot in May and June. We haven't said this in a while. Moving to tennis. 
Both Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal have expressed in recent days that they may not play the U.S. Open later this summer because of concerns about coronavirus protocols. The New York Post is reporting that Roger Federer is on the fence about playing in the Open as well. Tony, would the U.S. Open be the U.S. Open, at least on the men's side, without Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal? Not for a few days. You know, not in the first few days, because those guys are real big draws. But Mike, these tournaments, as you know, because you've covered them and I've covered them, they take two full weeks. They build a momentum of their own. You know, one of those three guys would have lost in the first week anyway. I remember covering a Wimbledon. I think most of the seeds were out, maybe certainly by the quarters and maybe even by the fourth round. And, and a star was born. A German kid, a teenager, nobody knew him, Boris Becker became a real big star as a result of winning Wimbledon in, in odd circumstances. I understand why Nadal doesn't want to play. The French Open is the next week. He owns the French Open. What, what, what tickles me about Djokovic is apparently he's, he's upset because he can't get into Manhattan and he's got to stay at an airport hotel. It's <laughs> That's fabulous. great. It's so cheeky. It's so cheeky. Marriott. Let me just point out, <laughs> I don't so want to be at LaGuardia Marriott either. And let me point out, <laughs> to be fair, you and I haven't stayed in Queens ever. We go straight to the city. Been a long we got time. our favorite restaurants. <laughs> I understand the doll. Up top, if we're allowed to sort yeah. of virtual high five, I understand where he's going. But Tony, just like we said about baseball, it's a one time deal. If they don't want to play, I understand. Cause I understand the turnaround, there's no turnaround. So you, how can you quarantine in Europe if you get there and the tournament yeah. starts in six days and they're asking you to perhaps quarantine for 14? You can't do it. So you got to pick. No. Right? So if I'm, if I'm the 100th-ranked male player in America and I get a chance to be in this tournament and I, and I wouldn't normally be in it, I'll stay at the LaGuardia Marriott. I'll be happy to stay at it. You want to test me twice a day? You want to test me four times a day? Maybe there's the male equivalent of a young Coco Goff. Maybe somebody yes, explodes. maybe I was thinking and, and that. Maybe they capture, they capture the imagination of the American tennis yeah. public. So if Djokovic doesn't want to come to Dolph Federer, it's okay. So with me, it's it's okay this yeah. year. It's yeah. okay. You know, we've just disparaged the LaGuardia Marriott. Where when we were younger, I'm sure it's and not great. the divas, not the divas that we are now. We both stayed there for <laughs> Mets games and the U.S. Open. Kevin and L, we put ourselves in a lot of trouble. Let's throw it back to you in Bristol. <laughs> Is your money not sure what to do with itself right now? At Ally, they'll help it save for the future with their smart savings tools. Bucket your money for the things that matter most. Analyze your spending and save automatically. All on top of a competitive rate. For all things money, you deserve an Ally. Visit ally.com slash savings for more info. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the camaraderie of the other bikers, a band of brothers, always there for you, rain or shine, to the amazing savings you get with Geico on your motorcycle insurance and accessories coverage all year round. But for Bucky Hornhill, it was one reason in particular. It was my helmet hair. I was born with helmet hair. I've tried to cut it a bunch of times, even buzzing it, but it immediately just goes back to helmet hair. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Again, glasses, again, legal pad, sans hat today as we go to the happies. 
Happy 54th birthday, Jeff Lunau. It probably isn't the happiest of birthdays, considering Lunau is no longer general manager of the Astros. First baseball suspended Lunau and field manager A.J. Hinch for their parts in the sign-stealing scandal that consumed the offseason. Then both were fired by Astros owner Jim Crane, who claimed he knew nothing about the cheating, even though everyone else in baseball seemed to. Then Crane claimed the cheating had no effect on games, which is insane. Under the terms of the suspension, Lunau and Hinch are able to return to baseball in 2021, even if no baseball is played in 2020. My personal opinion is I can see Hinch getting a coaching job somewhere and working his way back to managing. He's really good. But I think Lunau is toxic because the operation he ran not only cheated, but was small-minded and nasty. But happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, there's a happy birthday. Tony... I don't want to hear that because, like, let's say there's no 2020 season, which we're getting closer and closer to every day. Don't tell me that the punishment was a non-season. Sorry, the clock starts over, at least for me, whenever there's a season again. 2021, 2022, at some point, the penalty needs to be served, not just observed. Happy anniversary, Steven Strasburg. On this day, 10 years ago, Strasburg made his Major League debut with the Nationals. 21-year-old Phenom, who'd been the number one overall draft pick, lived up to the billing by striking out 14 Pirates in seven innings on the way to his first win. And immediately, every hope and dream in Washington, D.C. was pinned on his right arm. There have been bumps along the way for Strasburg. He had to sit a while to make sure his Tommy John surgery wasn't compromised. He's had recurring small injuries that take him out of the rotation for extended periods. He's won 112 games in 10 years, which is fine, but not dominant. Nothing was ever as good for Strasburg as the Nats signing Max Scherzer. Scherzer is an alpha dog, and Strasburg has been at his best as the number two starter. He was so good at it in the recent postseason that he was named most valuable player in the World Series. How does 5-0 and with a 1.98 ERA taste? You know, a guy that you once called the orchid because of the delicate way he had to be handled... You know, he, he looked a little yep. stronger than that when he was playing the role of Bob Gibson in your team's postseason. And by the way, kudos to Mike Rizzo, president and GM, for getting it right. Mike Rizzo, who we both know and like and respect, took a lot of heat. Seems like he got all of that right, does it not? Strasburg was fantastic down the stretch last year. He really was. A melancholy trails to Kurt Thomas, the first United States male gymnast to win gold at the World Championships, died over the weekend at age 64. Thomas won gold medals at the 1978 and 1979 World Championships, but was deprived of a chance at Olympic gold in 1980 when the United States boycotted the Moscow Games over Afghanistan. It was so unexpected for an American man to win the World Championships that the French did not even have a copy of the Star-Spangled Banner to play at the medal ceremony in 1978. Thomas sung the song by himself. After turning professional, Thomas became an actor and a television commentator, and he and his wife ran a gymnastics facility. Thomas attempted a comeback for the 1992 games in Barcelona, which were then open to professionals, but he did not qualify for the U.S. team. You can name all sorts of American female gymnasts who have become household names through the Olympics, from Mary Lou Retton to Kerry Strug to Dominique Dawes to Simone Biles. But Thomas is probably the best-known U.S. male gymnast alongside Bart Connor and Paul Hamm. Tony, you know, people now talk about in the in the wake of the Michael Jordan documentary series, what, what else would you like to see examined like that? 
I'd like to see the 1980 boycott of the Olympics by the United States, the Summer Olympic Games. I'd like to see an examination, a deep one on that, because you think about all the athletes who had their careers changed and, and for the great majority of them diminished by not being able to go to those Olympics. I wonder if that could happen now for similar reasons. I don't think it would, but maybe I'm being naive, but I'd like to see a greater examination of that. I certainly wouldn't mind, and it would fascinate us endlessly, I'm sure. Kevin and Elle, we're going to throw it back to you now in Bristol.